0: Uh, go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, that, that, that'd be excellent. And if you haven't found a seat yet, uh, go ahead and pull up a chair next to someone who looks friendly. If you're looking at someone who looks kind of mean, just skip that person and go on to, a, to another table. That'll, <laughs> that'll work out much better. Hey, uh, I guess this kind of deserves a, a little bit of explanation, right? Like, uh, if, if you've never been to a church before that set tables out, or uh, you've never been to Lake Point before in this format, uh, here, here's what we're doing. We think it's a better version of church. When it's not just sermons and songs, when you actually get to open a piece of your life in a real way to, to someone who's sitting next to you. And, and simultaneously, they open a part of their life and you get to receive what Jesus is doing in them as well. That's, that's a better version of church when we're doing everyday life and everyday relationships. And we also think this is better discipleship. There is a limit to how many words I can use in a productive fashion on a Sunday morning. At some point, you got to process it out for yourself and it helps having someone else alongside you. And those some ones are circled up at a table for you this morning. So here's how we're kicking off uh, uh, today's message. Uh, We're going to put six minutes on the clock and one question for you to discuss at your tables. And the question is this. Please put it on the screen because I don't remember it otherwise. Okay, tell one of your better stories of when and how you saw God show up or even just a big moment of thankfulness you've experienced. Depending on your, where you're at with faith, you might call it one thing over another. Of, Did I really show, see God show up? I'm not sure, was that God? If nothing else, I was just really thankful for where this event in my life turn, turned out. Just rewind your story. Yes, we're going back into your life story uh, to, 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 to take out one of these, but understand, you don't got time to tell the whole life story. The, the clock's already going to start ticking on you uh, for the people you're sitting around. So just about a one minute version of a time you saw God show up. Go ahead and discuss that at your tables, please. I told you that was way better than just listen to me talk the whole time, right? Can we at least agree on that much? Okay. So, so here's what's fun. What you just did at your your tables, that's that's called a testimony. Some of you got this feeling inside you like, hey, I can't share my faith, well what you did at your tables probably was just that. I mean, maybe you would elaborate a little bit further and maybe you'd want to retell the story with a little more Jesus at the center instead of your own parts in it. But uh, that is the start of a testimony of what God has done in our lives. I'll tell you why it's so important. It, it is important for other people. It, it really is. People need real life stories of how God shows up in our life today. But it's equally as important for you. You need to remember your story of how God has shown up in your life before because it does does so much to inform what God's about to do next. When when I have a financial decision I need to make, or let's even call it a financial dilemma, one of the things that I always go back to every single time when there's like a real financial thing that I got to deal with now is, is as I go back to the time when I was like 27 years old. Trying to make a go on a pastoral internship salary. I have a newborn that I brought into the world. I'm serious. This, this is like week one of, of parenting, right? And uh, I, I'm leaning into food pantries and wick coupons and the and the whole nine yards. And the way God showed up then informs how I pray about my finances now. And it's not because I got this miracle of like, here's my giant check that that showed up in the mailbox kind of thing. It was the miracle of experiencing. Is God's provision for another week. Or, or, or the miracle of, of contentment on, on living on so little. Or the miracle of just being able to look back and remember, like, all I had was, was my girl and Jesus and, and the love that the three of us had amongst each other. And part of my heart still craves for that simplicity. And even if this next financial thing goes completely wrong in my life right now, if I went back to just Jesus and my girl and the love that we had, it, it would work. That was the miracle of what God did in my heart in that time. And that informs every single way that I pray and look for my new miracle with my finances these days. Other areas of life. Parents, we worry about our kids all the time, right? Like, like early on, it's just worrying that they're going to learn their ABCs and put potty in the correct spot where the sewer line is going to take it somewhere, right? As they get older, you hope they find the right person, the right job, the, the right place to land. They get it later still, and, and now you worry about did they... Choose the wrong person and the right, wrong job and, and all that, right? Like, we're always going to worry about something and our kids turning out well. And as I go through whatever current worry I got for my kids turning out well, I go back to this one distinct time where I was praying over one of my kids and what was going on in school. And, and God showed up with a miracle, not in the miracle of, hey, here flips the switch, but here, here's where God put perseverance in my son's heart. And here's where God put supportive people around my son. And here's Here's what God did in just peace and trust of letting Him father my own child and not having to put that all on my shoulders. Miracle when a parent can let go of that. And that does everything to inform how I pray for and look for a miracle today. Uh, you, you see, we're, we're, we're talking about miracles this, this month at, at Lake Point Church. What, what's a miracle? Do I get one? Uh, maybe the biggest question is where's my miracle? And the big idea from last week was trying to get ourselves to believe all over again that God really wants to hear what you want. I think all of us would agree that God is able to do a miracle. We have a, that much faith, but sometimes we lose faith in the thought that God really wants to do something about what we want in, in our lives. Sometimes it feels like this lousy t-shirt kind of faith. You know, that friend or family member that went on an amazing adventure, saw amazing things, went to a new destination, and they, they brought you back a t-shirt as a gift, and that's, that's all you got to show for it, is some label of, of someone else's great things they experienced. Sometimes we feel that. You read these great stories in the Bible, what someone else experienced. There's this other amazing Christian, had their life turn out such a way, and you're wondering, where's my miracle at? Does God want to do it? And, and he does. That was the big idea from last week. The big idea from this week, though, is that, that the best way to inform which prayers are going to move your way forward right now, and what miracle you're really expecting to show up in your life? The best way to inform that is to look back at where you've already been with God. Everything of what he's done before has something to say about where he's going right now. And I think a lot of times our miracle is just building up little pieces at time into the picture of one big miracle. And I know we want it microwaved, I know we want the big thing to show up in a short amount of time, but I guess what I'd ask you is, what if it was a long time? What if it was a lot of small miracles that equal your big miracle? Or if I could say it another way, you really want your steak microwaved just because it's faster that way? Or, or do you want it to be the right amount of time, the right amount of temperature, and, and, and got all the seasonings that, that make it the flavorful thing that it is? Let's let's get into Jesus. Let's try to gather ourselves in a moment with him. We're going to turn to the Holy Scriptures again. Mark chapter 8 this time. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and they've got nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. I just love the, the level of hunger that's experienced in this story. Such a hunger for the words of God in their life that they've been there three days for, for, for going food. That's, that's like a really good sermon if you're going to stick around for three days. Right? You, you think we should try it sometime? You're all getting nervous. like. <laughs> So ch- Check your clocks. No, I'm not Jesus, and so I'm not going to dare to attempt that. But appreciate this, okay? Like, as you're getting in the moment of what this crowd is experiencing, chances are you and I are reading the wrong stuff into the stories. We, you and I are assuming they're sticking around for three days of sermon with, with some kind of enlightened perspective. Right? Like, man, there must be like some, some groundbreaking knowledge that all of these people are experiencing this moment. They're learning something they've never learned before. Light bulbs are going on left and right. And there's this new direction of how to practice such and such in life that they can't get enough of. And that's why they would dare to stick around for a three-day sermon. I understand, though, that's, that's a very Rene Descartes version of that, of reading this story. Descartes didn't happen until 1,700 years after the story we're reading right now. The, the, the story, as they're experiencing it, the story as this crowd is experiencing it, is they're just enjoying the nourishment, the nourishment that the, that the, the words of God is providing to their hearts and to their minds, that, that God's voice is actually speaking to them and meeting them in their place, that... that the, a visit from God, from heaven down to earth, just, just doesn't happen any sort of day. But on this particular day, this man named Jesus in front of them is, is bringing the presence of God like it's right there in their midst. And this man named Jesus in front of them, when he speaks, it's like the words of God speaking right into their very life. The God the Father has come down to heaven in, on earth in the flesh of this man named Jesus, and his spirit is alive amongst them all over the place. God is now amongst us. Everyday life has the presence of God there. And so what, what you and I might take for granted, this side of Christ and his cross, this is what's groundbreaking and completely new for them right now and life-giving. It's better than food. It's like, just forget about lunch. I, I want to take in more dinner. Who, who cares? Just if, if God's here, And he's nourishing what I got in my heart, in my mind, and in my soul. That's all I need. And I'll I'll, I'll, I'll skip another meal for it. It's that kind of hunger and thirst that we need today. Regardless of whether it's a three-day sermon or not. Just just to hang on every word that comes from God. And that's what's going on in this story. And uh, even though Jesus says elsewhere, man does not live on bread alone. It comes from the words of God. Well, he didn't say man doesn't live without bread. So at some point you got to eat something. So he's like, it's time for grub in the story. What are we going to do for this crowd here? He takes it to his disciples. Verse four, his disciples answer, uh, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? I like how another translation uh, says uh, the, the disciples turn to Jesus and say, what do you want me to do about it? Uh, that's a hangry response, all right? And you got to give the guys credit on that. It's like if you're in the middle of a work day where you've just been plowing through so many tasks and projects, like you skipped lunch, it's 1.45 in the afternoon and someone comes with yet another project to to drop in front of you, you're like, shoot, I I got a bit of information I'd like to drop off with you in return here, right? Like you're just... Jesus is realizing, okay, this isn't going to work. Teachable moment will be for going to another time. Let me break this down into simple terms that everyone can handle. Question number one, well, what do we got to work with? Uh, how many loaves do we have on hand? Jesus asked them, verse five. Seven, they replied. So he tells them, verse six, uh, to sit down on the ground. And when they had taken seven loaves and he had given thanks, and I feel like It's good to pause on that part, the part where he gave thanks. He gave thanks to his Father in heaven for the provision that was going to happen before the provision happened. He gave thanks to the Holy Spirit for making the practical stuff of God show up in everyday life before it actually happened. I think there's just something powerful to pausing with God and thank him for what he's going to do. So much faith that you're going to thank him before it actually happens. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. So the miracle's happening. It's actually working. This, these, these seven loaves are going around the whole crowd. And I, the scriptures don't tell us how it works. I just kind of like using my imagination. Like, I don't know, maybe Jesus has this picnic basket. And every time he closes the lid and opens it up again, like it's all full, all, all over again. Or uh, uh, I don't know, I kind of like, picturing each disciple with, with a loaf of French bread in their hand, which is really dumb because not only was there not French bread, I don't think there was French, period, uh, all the way back then. But like, just picture like every time one of them broke off the loaf of French bread and handed half to someone else, they went back to reach for it again. And then, the, I don't know, it grew back. But I don't know how it worked. But it happened. These seven loaves of bread, in miraculous fashion, are making their way around a crowd of 4,000 people. Because of the compassion of Jesus on the hearts of that crowd that day. And so it says in verse 7, They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them. And he also told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. In other words, like, this is like old country buffet style, right? Like, People eat till they are stuffed, and when they can't stuff anymore, there's still somehow a little bit left on that buffet line. He's saying no one's hungry. Everyone had their fill. This wasn't a chintzy meal. This was an abundant feast. In verse 9, about 4,000 were present that day. Taking them for a moment, the proportions of that. Most of us would have a little bit of hospitality anxiety over the thought of 40 people coming over for dinner. Right? Like if I told you, hey, uh, me and 39 of my friends, your place tomorrow night, what, what are you serving? It, it, would, it would stretch the relationship here, right? But, but as, as difficult as that is for us, just 40 people, expand that 100 times over to 4,000. Jesus just does it in the blink of an eye in a moment. That's the kind of goodness of God that's showing up in this moment, in this miracle. Bad day. But that doesn't cap off our story. It keeps going. Uh, there's a little bit of a scene change, a little translation of, of location. And verse 11 says, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. Uh, they, they, they accosted him, really, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. Now, the Pharisees considered themselves the scripture police. If it's not in the Bible, they don't follow it. If it is in the Bible, they're going to follow it to the T. And they're pulling out in their minds, Deuteronomy 18, verse 22, where any prophet has to prove that they are from heaven. So they're like, all right, Jesus, give us the sign to show that what you're doing is not just some circus act and a little bit of a magic show. Show us that this is actually coming from heaven. And the response of Jesus is, verse 12, that he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given it. Then he left them, got back in the boat, crossed to the other side. uh, Brian Hoffmeister paraphrase on this. would be like, were you not paying attention? (laughs) Or if you weren't there when I fed the 4,000, have you at least heard the story? There are at least 4,000 witnesses to what I did before. Why is what I did before not good enough for you today? Still, that's not the end of the story. Moving on to verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread with them in that boat, except for the one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful! Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed it with one another and said, it is because we have no bread that Jesus is upset right now. It's like, time out. Time out, okay? Like, uh, p- picture yourself like, like in a parenting moment with, with a small child right now. You are telling me that one loaf plus one Jesus equals a problem. That, that the bread is the problem. Bre- bread. We're, we're talking about bread in this, in this moment. Like, I'm about to throw my hands up in the air and say, I'm, I quit. I quit. I'm surrounded by just a band of idiots. That's, that is all I've got to work with in this moment. The math is simple. If Jesus took seven loaves and turned it into a mealtime for 4,000 people just a couple days before, you can't tell me that one loaf of bread with 13 hungry dudes in a boat is a problem. They're just not putting two and two together. It's a band of idiots that Jesus has gathered with him. And Jesus isn't any nicer in his address with them. Verse 17, aware of their discussion, Jesus asks, "Why are you talking about having no bread? Tell me you don't think bread is the issue. Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Dull. You have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear. Do your senses not function for you?" Don't you remember? Remember, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still? not understand, not understand, do you not remember? He just walks them back through the stories of what God had did in their life before, and he asks them, pretty please, use that to inform what you expect God to do next. Got a moment right now. You've got something you need. you got something that you genuinely want God to do in your life. And maybe it's at miracle status. And i got two that I'm praying to Jesus right now that are definitely at miracle statuses for me. Not because we need to bend laws of nature or because some kind of lightning strike from heaven needs to fall down, but it's a miracle for me because it's outside the capacity of, I've put my best effort in and it doesn't change this one over here. And I've applied my control issues to this miracle over there and it, and it doesn't work. And so it, these two things are outside of my ability to influence and control. And if anything's going to happen, it's going to be because God shows up. And I'm guessing if you took a look at your life and what you really want to happen right now, you're saying this one is bigger than my effort, has taken me, and this one exceeds my control issues. That's now in miracle status. And if you've got that, can you look back and remember what God has done before to inform what needs to happen right now? They should have been able to look at one loaf of bread sitting at that bench in that boat next to the 13 guys that were hungry that day and say, "I, I know what happens next. I know how to pray for this. I know how to expect this one. Jesus is saying like, there's, there is no mystery here to solve, guys. There's no moment of anxiety or, or tension that needs to be broken. Just a little logical deduction, a tiny bit of pattern recognition. Everything that I've done before informs what I'm about to do. Next. can You count up your story. Can you look back at the moments where God has shown up? Do you have enough of them to build a case to believe something of what God's going to do next? Maybe it's that story you started with in the table today. Or or maybe you're still struggling to collect them. Just just think about this. If you don't have any other story to tell, tell this story. Your heart beats 100,000 times a day. 100,000 times without any effort on your part. That's way better than that car you keep taking into the for repairs and oil changes. Isn't that a small miracle? Or, or, or life here for us on planet Earth is held together with a with a pretty delicate balance of a distance from from the sun. How much of you and all your control dis- issues? How much of you contributed to that balance between our planet and the sun? That's not a small miracle. Or you. Break it down to this way. You you drive to the car, you drive drive your car all the time. The way other people drive around you isn't not a small miracle. You made it to the grocery store and back intact. Come on now. Enjoy the miracles around you. You survived a pandemic. I know emotionally some days it might not feel like you've survived, but you did. You're here. And add to that all the, uh, the, the fact that you got. If you got any sort of money in the bank and food in the refrigerator, that puts you better than 80% of the people on planet Earth right now. That's something to appreciate your thankfulness for. If you've had these real heartaches in life, can you not go back and, and name a few of them that actually healed? And I don't know if you're ready to give God the credit or not for that healing, but if that was, if there is a God out there, I bet you he cared enough to get involved with what needed to be healed And that healing from that last relational break informs something of what God will do in whatever relational strain you're in the middle of right now. Or you've had the empty times of life and if something filled it back up, was that not possibly the story of God filling you all over again? If you've had a pain point that was just chronic and wouldn't go away, but if you broke away to some place of surrender and trust with Jesus in the middle of it, doesn't that matter what hurts right now? Or if you got some worries and anxieties, and I'm pretty sure that all of us do. But if you remind your story and say, yeah, but I was worried and anxious about that other thing, that other time. Doesn't that inform what God would do with your anxiety right now? If you had a dream that just never came true, God replaced it with a better dream. Doesn't that tell you something about what you're dreaming right now? Maybe you've had a wake of small miracles in your life up until this point. You just haven't taken the time to count them up, to collect them all over again, and build the case for what is God building this up to in my life? Can I trust him with one big miracle for all the small ones that I've collected along the way? I've seen Jesus feed the 5,000. I've seen Jesus feed the 4,000. I ought to be able to look at a boat and the one loaf of bread, 13 fellows that we got, and say, I've, uh, I've been here before. I've been here before. And I know what my God is going to do. That was their story. That was the moment of that. those disciples in that. You got your day and you got your story. And so we're going to finish this one off the same way that we started. You started off today's message. You're going to finish it at your tables as well. So fewer minutes this time because it's supposed to be easier. I want you to answer at your question, at your table the question, what from your story with God before needs to inform how you are praying for your situation or for your miracle right now? You don't have to get into the details if you don't want. Be as purposely vague amongst the strangers that you're sitting next to.